Well, good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, it's, it's good to have you here, whether you're here or online. I'm thankful for a, another chance to, to get to share a message from God's Word. Um, you ever play the game Name That Tune? Uh, they've actually brought that back um, on, I think we've yeah, there we go right there. We, they brought it back on TV. There's, there's another, they've resurrected all these shows from, from our past. And uh, in Name That Tune, they'll, they'll give you a, a couple of, you know, bars of a song. And, and you've got to see if you can recognize what that tune is. I'm never very good at it. I, I recognize it, but I can never quite place it. But it's always fun to see some contestants uh, really just hear this little part. And then it restores all of this song that goes with it. I, I want to see if, if you can name that tune from a passage. Uh, there's a passage that goes something like this. After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all, then he broke it and began to eat. Now, can you name that tune? It, there's a rhythm here. He took some bread, gave thanks to God, then he broke it and began to eat. Name that tune. What, what, what does that sound like? Yeah, it sounds like communion. That's exactly right. We, we hear that rhythm. We hear that tune and we recognize it. What's surprising, though, is that this passage comes at the end of the book of Acts. What's surprising is that this passage doesn't happen around a table or a Last Supper. It actually happens on a ship in the middle of a storm. And it's Paul who is taking the bread and giving thanks and breaking it. Name that tune. Luke is calling to mind for us the communion meal. Now, its story starts back in chapter 27, verse 1, uh, where we find that Paul has boarded a ship. Uh, when it was decided that, he, that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion. So they're, they're sailing to Italy, but we've also caught something else in this passage, that Paul and the other prisoners, meaning that Paul is one of the other prisoners. He's with this group of prisoners, which that story goes all the way back to Acts 20, verse 17, 21, verse 17, where some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple, and they stirred up the whole crowd and seized him. There were troubles in Jerusalem, and Paul is arrested. He's put on trial. He actually goes through a series of trials, and then eventually he appeals to Caesar. And so here in chapter 27, He's on his way to Rome. He's on his way to see Caesar. So they board a ship, and, and most likely it was, it was a Roman grain ship. Now, there's actually a couple of ships in chapter 27. They'll board one, get off, and they'll board another one. This is the one that they eventually end up on. And the reason we think it's probably a grain ship is because there are 276 passengers on board. And so this is probably one of the biggest ships that could have handled that type of uh, manifest of that many people. But a Roman grain ship. And, and it's slow going at first. They're, they're kind of working their way along the coast and around some of these islands. And they find themselves in Fairhaven. That they've pulled in. Time has gotten away from them. It's, it's not the season of the year to be traveling. And, and they've, they've reached a decision point. And so they've all gathered around. They're trying to figure out the best plan. How do we get out of here? How can we make it to our destination? And it's into this setting that Paul speaks up. So Paul warns them. Men, I can see, and let's just pause there for a moment. Men, we are in a day and age at this time where it was just men who were sailors. Thankfully now, we have reached a time where men and women can be sailors. 
Navy chaplain, and I have the privilege of working alongside men and women in uniform who are sailing the high seas. But in this context, it was men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Now, I just mentioned I'm a Navy chaplain. I can only imagine in our nav briefs as we're getting ready to you know, sail the harbor and, and sail out into the Pacific, I can only imagine if at the end of that brief, if I piped up and said, you know what, Captain? I'm not sure if this is a good idea for us to set sail today. I, I think we probably just need to stand, you know, hold tight on the pier. I, I can just hear the pause in the room and the eyes that were just, okay, thanks, chaps. We'll be setting sail at 06 in the morning, you know, <laughs> just moving right along. That's kind of what Paul does. He, he says, I, it's, it's, not gonna, it's not a good idea for us to go out. I think we should avoid this, but instead of listening to Paul, they follow the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And so they set sail. And, and all seems good at first. And in verse 13, a gentle south wind began to blow, and they saw their opportunity. And so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. So it looks like this was good advice, a good decision for them to, you know, not listen to Paul. Let's head on out. It's a beautiful day at sea. And there's nothing better than being on the water when the sun is shining, the wind is blowing, and they are sailing along. But one verse later, but before long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. This, this wind is so strong it has its own name, a Northeaster. I don't know if you've been in hurricane country um, we've lived in Houston, we've lived in Georgia, we've lived kind of along that, that Gulf Shores area. Um, hurricanes are not fun, man, and you, you spend a whole season of every year um, watching the news and hearing about the tracks of these storms and, and these uh, winds that are going to be coming through. Not sure what category hurricane this was that Paul is facing, but there is a strong storm that comes. And they find themselves struggling in this storm. Now, now, there's an interesting progression that will take place over the next series of verses. And I think it's worth pausing to consider how some of the descriptions of what they're going through in this storm on the high seas, it actually kind of mirrors the storms that, that we can face in life. At verse 16, we hear that as we passed the lee of a small island, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. Do you ever find that, that, that you, you have this plan? You have this direction. You, you, you've determined that this is where we're going to go. Um, we, we have decided we will set sail. But then there's this disruption that comes along. A disruption that you didn't see coming. You, you weren't expecting that, that the storm would come, but... This was your plan. And so this disruption aside, you, you get out there and you think, what, what was I thinking? Maybe I shouldn't have done this, but we'll secure the lifeboat. We'll be okay. It's just a disruption. But then you find that the storm continues and they pass ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Now listen to what they just did. They are in the middle of a storm. We've seen that it's a wooden ship. And what are they doing to secure their ship? They're like, you know, if we just put some rope under this ship and tie it really tight, we're going to be okay. And suddenly that disruption, we find ourselves now in a state of denial. I'll be fine. I'll be okay. It's not a big deal. I mean, come on. 
Work with me here. Have you been there before? The storm is coming. I, I, I got this. All we got to do is really tie the ship down tight. I mean, to tie off, here, can you hold my finger while I, or hold this rope while I make a bow? What are they thinking? They're in denial. They're in denial of the storm. And then we find the very next verse. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. What kind of ship did we say this was? Most likely a grain ship. Um, how do you make your money if you're a grain ship? You deliver that cargo, you deliver that grain. But this disruption turned to some denial, and now they find themselves trying to make a deal. Like, ah, okay, we, we just got to get out of here. We, we, we've got to throw that over. Maybe the profits aren't going to be as great as we thought they would, uh, but, but that's okay. We're, we're going to make it. It's, it's going to be okay, but maybe, maybe we just need to break even. That, that's really our goal here, so, but we just need to break even to get out of here. And so now the denial has turned into just trying to make a deal to, to get out of this. But then notice what happens. The very next verse, on the third day, three days, by the way, third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. I don't know how many of us are seafaring folks, um, but if you've thrown over the cargo, that's the stuff that's going to you know, make a profit for the ship. When you start throwing over tackle, what is the tackle intended for? That's, that's for the running and the operation of the ship. That's, that's just so you can make it on the high seas. They have reached a point now where it's not just about making a deal. They are in disregard for the things that will sustain the health and safety of the ship. They are just trying to survive this storm. And again, think about those storms of life. We come through the disruption. We make it through that denial. I'll be okay. And then we suddenly realize, maybe I'm not okay, but I can break even out of this. But then we've we find this disregard. And suddenly we let go of the very things that are essential to our own health and safety. We forego practices that, that maybe keep us in good shape. Uh, we, we give in to stress eating. We start to give up time with our family, with those we love, with those who need us, because we are just trying to make it through this storm. We've moved past denial. We've moved past for making a deal. We are just trying to survive, and I don't have time for anyone else. But they're not done. Because verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, not just three days now, many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They found themselves now in a state of despair. There's no hope. What was I thinking to, to go into this situation? I, I thought I would be okay. I thought I could make a deal. I, I thought surely my family, my health, that I could get that back at some point. But now I have just lost all hope. Again, probably not a lot of us are seafaring folks. We haven't been on a Roman grain ship in the middle of a storm, and yet there is something oh so familiar about this progression, about these steps, about this process that they are going through. They, they are no longer struggling in the storm. We would say that they are lost at sea. They are lost at sea without hope. But Paul, he's got something to say. So he, 
he says, hey, if, if, if you just listen to me, if I can get your attention real quick, I would like to say something to you. After they had gone on a long time without food, um, notice that, a long time without food. So a long time, and they haven't been eating. Isn't that true of, of these storms of life? That, that when we find ourselves in the middle of them, we give up the very things that will sustain and endure and <clears throat> And we, we give up eating itself. They have not been eating. And Paul stands before them and says, you know what? You should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. <laughs> oh, isn't that such great stuff from Paul? <laughs> before I tell you anything else, I just let me just say, I, I told you so. Uh, everybody catch that? I, I was the one, but anyway, he, he at least, you know, he, he's got to get that in there. Um, but then he, he, he shares a, a, a recent vision because he'll tell you that I... You should have listened, but you would have spared yourself. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Um, he goes on to tell them about a vision that he's had. Last night there was this angel that showed up to me. This angel said, you will um, stand before Caesar in Rome. And so you and all those folks on this ship will be okay. Paul is sharing that vision with them. He's trying to give them hope. Um, and so he goes on to, to say to them, and so now keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. That, that's, that's great words of hope. Um, and then he kind of goes on to say, only the ship will, oh, I'm sorry, no, let me, verse 25. So keep up your courage for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Uh, here's a word of hope. And then I just, I, get, I would love to see the faces on the people as they heard this last part. We must run the ship aground. What did he just say? He said, we've got to do what? We are going to run this ship aground? But Paul is trying to give them some encouragement here. Um, and that, and that, is, uh, that is what he is, is looking to do. I, I think I got off my place. Yeah, okay. So they're lost at, at, at sea for 14 days. Uh, for 14 days, they are, are struggling. And, and, and this is so true of our storms, that, that we wish that it would just be that light rain, that, that short downpour. We could handle that. If it, if it was, actually, I've, I've seen that a lot of times here in California, that's what a California shower is, isn't it? It just kind of rains, and then it clears, and the sun comes back out. Th that's not the kind of storm that they're in. For 14 days, they are going, and the floods are rising. And so after 14 days, Paul once again takes the mic and he will say, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. Now is the time to eat. You're going to be okay. I told you that I had a vision and, and we're going to be okay. And it's here that we return to our name that tune passage. Because in verse 35, after he said this, Paul said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. And then he broke it and began to eat. You ever notice how movies um, will use kind of that, that same recurring refrain in the music. And, and, and it's that music that cues you in, that there's this, this theme that just kind of is repeating itself, and it's, it's intended to bring to mind what has gone on before. Let me see if you can recognize a tune. 
uh, you're watching a movie and then suddenly you hear bum 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 what 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 am i what's that tune it's Star Wars. It is Star Wars through and through. And when that song begins to play, what do you know is about to happen? It's going to be something good. I mean, this is the song of hope. Uh, we've been watching the Obi-Wan series on Disney+. Plus, and, uh, and it's amazing. You hear that embedded, and sometimes it's super slow. Bum, 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 bum. And it's just kind of hidden among some other tunes in there. But, but you heard it, and you're like, suddenly, why am I feeling like this is all going to be okay? Did, did you know when the first Star Wars came out? I looked it up just to make sure. What year was it? 1977. We're talking for 45 years. Star Wars has been playing that theme. And now, when you're watching Obi-Wan, 45 years later, you have 45 years of hope and expectation that's coming through. And somehow, whatever it is that Obi-Wan is facing, we're going to be okay because it's always been okay. That's the power of that recurring refrain. And, and Luke, he does that in his story, in his telling of the gospel of Jesus and the early church. Luke writes the book of Luke and Acts, and we find that, that this theme right here at the very end of Acts, it takes us back to a, an earlier time in the Gospel of Luke in which Jesus will take bread, and he gives thanks, and he breaks it, and he gives it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It reminds us of Jesus standing there at the table and initiating this supper, these, these, these emblems of remembrance. And even for Luke, that goes back to an earlier time in his gospel. There, there's an earlier place in Luke chapter 9 in which Jesus takes five loaves and two fish. And looking to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. Do you hear that same rhythm? He took, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave. He is the one who provides what we need. And then in our scripture reading this morning that Chuck read for us, at, after the resurrection, you have two disciples who have, in their own words, we've, we thought he was the one, but obviously we were wrong. We've lost hope. They are walking away from Jerusalem. Resurrection weekend. And they're on their way out. And Jesus will meet them on the road, and he begins to talk to them. They think he's just a stranger. They don't know who he is but they invite him to their house at this meal where he is their guest. Suddenly he becomes the host and he takes this bread. And verse 24, or chapter 24, when he was at the table with them, he, Jesus, took bread, gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. And notice what Luke will do. He says, then, and it's, it's right then in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and the breaking of the bread. To make sure we don't miss that significance, Luke will tell us how the two disciples then, they run back to Jerusalem. They tell the, um, the apostles and those gathered in Jerusalem what happened. And Luke will say specifically, they, they told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Twice, in a very short uh, section of verses, Luke wants to make clear that it's in the breaking of the bread that Jesus is recognized, that his presence is felt, that that is where we encounter Christ. Have you ever been asked that question, if you could have a meal with anybody from history, who would you pick? 
Um, sometimes it's a question that's a conversation starter for some folks. You hear people say Winston Churchill or C.S. Lewis or um, you know it, it, um, Isaac Newton. It could be anybody from history. But then you know inevitably there's 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 somebody who says. I'd love to eat with Jesus. And, you know, that's like the gold star answer. If you're in Bible class, you, you won the prize. But, but Luke is saying that that actually happens. Every time we gather together, every time that we break the bread, <laughs> that we are sharing a meal with Jesus himself, that it's not just a meal that looks back to this time when Jesus once was, and if only we could be back there with him. No, actually, Luke is saying, every time we break the bread, the resurrected Lord, Jesus himself shows up in the midst of his people. His presence is felt, and he is recognized. Now, there's certainly implications for how we um, approach the table each week, and, and Later in our service, we will have a chance to do that. But Luke is doing more than just reducing uh, this idea down to uh, you know, a 10-minute observance once a week. No, actually what Luke is doing here in Acts, here as they are facing a storm, Luke is actually expanding the impact of our time at the table and is saying that, that this observance that we share together, it has significance here, but it also has significance as we leave from here. It makes a difference, not just in this place, but when we are out there, when we are in the midst of our storms, that Christ himself is present. Paul's ship has been tossed, for sea, tossed at sea for 14 days. They are tired and worn out and hopeless and exhausted. And, and what food does Paul recommend? It's not an Uber Eats. It's not, uh, let's get ready for our last meal and who wants steak and potatoes? No. He says, after 14 days and you have no hope and you have no strength, would somebody please bring me some bread? It reminds me of those scenes in, in movies, again, where there's all of this stuff going on and suddenly <laughs> everything stops. And there's one character who is able to suddenly just kind of walk around in the midst of whatever this scene of chaos is. That even as the storm is blowing and the, and the, the, the wind and the waves are, are, are crashing, even as all of this is happening, when Paul breaks that bread, there's this moment that stops. And it suddenly allows the believer to, to walk in the midst of, of all of this emotion and all of this stress and all of this stuff that has been um, stirring up within and, and, and has been sucking the very hope of our existence out. That as it stops, that suddenly we can see it for what it is. Yeah, there, there is a lot of storm going on, but this bread it reminds me. It reminds me of one who was willing to, to take on flesh, to step into this world, to become like us. It reminds me of one who is no stranger to suffering himself. The life of Christ was not one of smooth sailing seas. 
that Jesus actually finds himself physically in a boat in the storms. But even beyond that, he finds himself in all sorts of storms of life. This reminds me how he handled himself. This reminds me of, of the love that God showed by sending Jesus. This reminds me that this isn't the first time that God has faced a seemingly insurmountable obstacle. My goodness, if Jesus could take on death itself, then why, why am I so worried about what's going to happen in the midst of this storm? If, if he could overcome that, then, then God, I know you can overcome this. And suddenly as we take that bread in the midst of the storm that has been put on pause, we find that as we remember and as we reflect that, that suddenly that, that hope is being reignited. That, that, that suddenly we, we are finding ourselves restored and renewed and ready. We're ready to face the storm. Notice what happens in verse 36. Uh, they were all encouraged and they ate some food themselves. No pep talk to this point has convinced them to eat any food, and yet when Paul breaks this bread in the midst of the storm, they're encouraged. That word alone, we haven't seen any encouragement for 14 days. They eat some food. And then notice actually what happens in verse 38. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. They held on to some grain, uncertain of what the storm was going to hold. And what are they ready to do at this point? This isn't, earlier we, we saw it was an act of desperation. Um, this, it's newfound preparation. Paul, what was that you said we're going to have to do? We're going to have to run the shore aground, but you said we're going to be okay? Okay, I'm, I'm ready actually to let go. I'm ready to let go of those things onto which I've been trying to hold, thinking I needed this grain to sustain me through the storm. But you've reminded us, Paul, that it's not the grain who will sustain us. It's the one who is with us, is present with us, who will sustain. The ship does indeed crash. They run the shore aground. The, the waves beat it so bad that it, it pummels the ship into pieces. But we find that all 276 either swim to shore they can't swim, they float to shore. They make it safely to land. As we conclude the story, um, I invite you to stand on the beach. And, 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 and as we watch 276 sailors and centurions and prisoners and believers, as we watch 276 wash ashore, absolutely exhausted, tired out, hungry, beaten down, covered in sand, soaking wet. But do you see him smiling? And do you see him high-fiving? And do you see him saying, we made it. How did we make it? that I invite you to recognize that this story has much more significance than one crew of sailors that survived in the storm. This speaks to all of us who find ourselves in the midst of the storm. That we realize this story has something to say to you and me, that no matter what storms you may face, no matter the struggles that you may endure, 
no matter the very things that you may have walked out of this morning to come into here to, to, to find that moment of respite, that moment of peace, that moment of redirection, that whatever it is that you may be facing, that this story has something to say to you and me. Now, we can't miss the fact what happens to the ship. That, that, that ship is in shambles. And, and so, far be it from walking out of this passage and telling ourselves that it'll be success in the storm. That's what Jesus is promising us, is that somehow he'll make it all work and I'll come out fully in, in the prophets and, and it'll all be okay. That that's not the promise of this scripture. That the promise of this scripture is, is that you will be safe in the storm. That no matter how hopeless it seems, no matter how much you may feel that you have lost, no matter what you may endure, that Jesus, he is there with you in the midst of the storm. And because he is with you, you will be safe. It will be okay in the end. In a few moments, we're going to have a chance to break the bread together to remember together the one who is with us. And so regardless of the storms that you may be facing, may you remember our Lord who is with you. In, in the breaking of the bread, may you be reminded of the peace and assurance that comes from the one who is present. And may you see that even as the winds blow and the waves roll, that because he is with you, you are indeed safe in the storm. Do we have a song or are we moving straight to communion? There is a song, all right. We have a chance now to respond. You may wish to do so by responding publicly and, and, and coming forward. You are welcome to do so and we'll be received by our, our shepherds. You, you may wish to respond in, in the quiet of your heart and, and that's appropriate too. And I invite you to, to, to do so, to in this moment with the Lord present with us to respond to him. Share that with someone. Share that with somebody you love that you trust. But if there is any way in which you wish to respond, won't you do so while we stand and sing? And I stand, I stand.